Theology Thursday live, and I forgot my book today, so um, we're going to do something a little bit different, because providentially, um, I left my book in my notes, so we're going to do something different. Get back to um, Thomas Watson's Repentance, the Doctrine of Repentance, um, next week, hopefully, and uh, so I thought what I would do, because I thought, all right, I don't want to just not do it this week, <clears throat> so I was trying to think, all right. Is there anything in the news we could talk about? Anything? And so I couldn't think of anything. So then I thought, well, okay, I just got back from Haiti. So there's uh, used to be a thing because I'm so old now that a lot of you wouldn't remember, but it was slideshows. So you would take pictures um, everywhere you went with a camera that you had to send film off and come back and eventually. Open it up, and yay! But you could also have slides made. So then, would you could take these little slides, put them in this projector, shoot them up on the wall? Um, they had technology back then, and then you'd go through and you'd invite people over, darken room, show a slide, talk about the slide, and um, and bore people to death unless they're looking at themselves from years ago. So I've noticed that, you know, from getting back from Haiti, hello, Miss Mary Russell, I forgot my book today, so I'm just talking about Haiti for a minute. But um, well, I do want to make sure that what I've noticed about doing something like this is it is very difficult to, um, to communicate what you see in Haiti in such a way that um, it actually communicates what it's really like. And so what you do is you talk about it, you grasp people, you start talking about voodoo and demon worship and poverty and people and how good they are and how beautiful it is and different aspects of it. And then you sort of start to lose people because um, it's not, you know, it's hard to... A lot of things in life you have to experience. And so I would say that Haiti is definitely one of the things that you have to experience. So Mary Russell, you're in Chicago. That's where a lot of people were with us. We were doing a medical mission down there, and they were from Chicago, Naperville area, different places. One guy from Skokie. Skokie, I think that's where you say it was from. So, an electrician. Um, so you didn't have to be a medical professional to go, but there were dentists, uh, two two uh, women dentists. That's incredible. I was helping them. That's just like physical, emotional, spiritual, and to be able to know how to do these things. These things, and all they did was extractions. Um, and there was also a, an incision that had to be made and sewn up and things like this. But it was hours, hundreds hundreds of people a day and um you know if you've ever had a toothache you know um how important that is and so they did that and they did and they brushed little children's teeth different people brushed kids teeth and they did fluoride treatments and they gave out um toothpaste and 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 um toothbrushes and lots of candy which you know it's like i guess they don't eat as much candy as we do here but um it's just amazing and just seeing you know, appreciating doctors as a pediatrician or surgeon did minor surgeries, well, minor depending on whether it was being done on you or not. But um, I think he said he did like 40 something different ones. And then there's a, a general practitioner doctor. Um, and there was a guy that did like a, a different type, like he was a, an ER, what was he? he was some sort of a, like a, like a, somebody that would be like on an, an ambulance or stuff like that. And so they were just, um, 
I don't know, just consistently all day, every day, helping people that desperately needed help. And we're praying with them and praying with each other and um, just seeing what it means to pray at all times without ceasing to pray, you know, without ceasing it. Kind of think it's like, gosh, how do you do that? Well, <laughs> you know, when you're in the when you're in enemy territory and you realize you are, and you know that anything can happen, and you're in a foreign country, and and you know you're gonna run into some desperate people that really need help, and you want to be able to help in the right way, you end up praying a lot. Um, and just look at the pictures. There's some pictures on the Facebook page. You walk through. It's just and there, some people talk about you know what why send people on short term mission trips. And, uh, and it's a very good question. And um, I believe the purpose of this short-term mission was primarily this one was the medical thing. So you can't go out and not see the need and have the ability and then not do things for people's physical well-being. But Karis for Haiti, I'll put a link to them. You, on my Facebook, you find Karis for Haiti a lot on there. But um uh, the the man that started it, he and his wife, um, Malcolm Henderson, he went. He was a surgeon, went on a short-term mission trip. I think it's been about seven, eight years ago. And um, just saw the need. And I think um, David Platt's book, Radical, had a lot to do with um, convincing him about the need to, to follow Christ radically. And he's a, a saved believer and said just had to leave all that and go to Haiti and help people um, that needed help. So, um an amazing thing but their primary mission is um evangelistic their primary mission is spiritual they've started so many churches um they have it's one of the only ministries in haiti i'm sure there's i mean there's so much ministry in haiti from the christian church but um we consistently hear from the translators interpreters that um you know it's one of the few only ones they know of that people go into voodoo temples and speak to voodoo priests and, and it sounds it's hard to even you know what's that sound like to somebody i remember to me it's just like unrealistic even but um these are people who are um um legitimately worshiping satan and demons and and doing these things and believers we believe in that stuff but we don't really you know it's very an esoteric knowledge of it sort of it's like you, you know it's real but it's kind of real you know so um but you get to really see the the reality when you see people whose lives have been consumed by it and typically we see people here whose lives are consumed by drugs and it's hard to see the spiritual and demonic um overtly behind it although you know it's there but um the 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 reality of the demonic influence is stark contrast but the other thing that comes in stark contrast is um somebody goes from darkness to light somebody goes from not being saved and worshiping satan to finding out about jesus christ and the power of the gospel and and a life completely being changed around from darkness to light um i think one of the problems we have in our culture is the, you know you the darkness only seems so dark and the brightness does there's not enough of a contrast and it's because we don't recognize the darkness of darkness and except in certain areas and I think we're able to keep that kind of stuff sort of in separate corners or something and then the light doesn't you know how brightly do we shine our light because we don't want to to appear odd to our culture we and I was going to talk about thinking about first becoming a pastor it's like I had a preconceived idea of what a pastor was. I had um, presuppositions, um, whatever word you want to find for this. And I was just like, I'm not those guys. And I mean, a lot of times I'm not those guys. But um, we all have these ideas, caricatures 
of what a Christian is, what a pastor is, what a you know whatever this is, and um, and it can keep us from doing it because that's what Satan uses to keep us um, off balance. And so you define it. And that's the thing. You you be Christ-like in whatever you're doing and everything you do. Maintain faith. Um, stand up for truth. Uh, and not just truth as you see it, but try to make sure that you're studying the Bible, reading the Bible, and that you are um, convicted of the reality and the truth of these things. So anyway, one of the things I did when I got back was I wrote this thing on Facebook. It seemed to resonate with some people. Um, I'm just going to kind of read it and talk about it for just a minute. Um and so if you hadn't had a chance to read it, that's fine. And if you had, I don't mean to um, bore you with things like this. So anyway, just real quick. I, I'm still processing my experiences in Haiti. My, my thoughts are far too many to express succinctly. I had trouble expressing things succinctly. Anyway, my first thought this morning is I'm reading Joshua 12 and 13, so we're preaching Sunday. Hey, you can tune in on our Facebook page and uh, watch this as well. You can go to podcast and search for Second Street PCA, three different words, Second Street PCA, and find our podcast. Um, and we try to put our all the sermons up on there if you just want to listen to them. Um, and this is where uh, Joshua is recording all the kings who were defeated and all the land that was allotted to the people of Israel on both sides of the Jordan, so, but, you know, Moses um, and then Joshua. Um, and the message is that our God's a warrior and that we are to be fighting for his kingdom. This is not done with weapons to kill the inhabitants of the land. And the mission of the Old Testament Israel was to be the offensive means of judgment on the wicked people living in the land of Canaan. But the weapons are our warfare, and this is from 2 Corinthians 6, 7, is truthful speech, the power of God, the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. So, you know, it's also one of the, um, the armor of God, the spiritual armor is the breast, breastplate of righteousness. Um, and you have the righteousness of Christ as uh, imputed to your account when um, God deals with us um, judiciously as far as things we've done and haven't done is Christ's account given to us. And that's very important. That's justification. But you also have your personal righteousness, which acts as a shield. Without personal righteousness, you're opening yourself up for all sorts of things. Um, demonic attacks, worldly attacks, your own flesh will attack you. You know, you're, it's, it's, it's a dangerous thing. And we, and we need to have more of a healthy fear of God. Um, Jonathan Edwards, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, and different you know, sermons of his. I'm an Edwards fan. He just... It says, you know, it's a, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I think that's from Hebrews. But um, we don't fear the Lord enough. That's, that's a, a big problem and part of the, the repentance thing we're going to talk about today. We'll do next week. actually deals with that some. But, you know, weapons of righteousness, that's what we're doing. I mean, you see, you had to be good. You had to be kind. You had to be loving. You had to be, uh, you had to care about other people. You had to think about other people that are more important than yourself. Um, um it is pride, arrogance, these are all sins of the devil, and we have to guard against those things. Um, 
And then in um, 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So stronghold, that's something somebody has and they, they, they can't get out of it. They can't escape from it. They might not want to. But we have divine, which means godly arguments from Scripture that have power to destroy these type of strongholds. Uh, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive, and this is our personal thoughts too, every thought captive to obey Christ. And he says, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So you have to, you know, you complete your obedience and then you start looking at other people. I think it's the idea of the, you know, we. it's so easy to see the, you know, you're trying to get the splank, the you know, what is it, the speck out of somebody else's eye, you know, and you got a big plank sticking out of yours the whole time. And it's just like, um, you know, look at yourself first. Um, we need to have a righteous indignation over what Satan is producing in our country. Dr. Henderson, the founder and co-founder of Karis, said um, that he believes that we don't see a lot of overt obvious demonic activity here in the states because satan has so effectively taken over our culture that we're on sort of an autopilot when when um he doesn't need to do much but sit back and just watch um, what's going on but the the gospel of jesus christ is far superior to the power of satan it's also interesting we talked about this um down there some was you know the beyonce thing at the halftime at the super bowl a lot of people talked about and you can't you know miss the the, the overt sexual sexualization of women, you know, it's just a lot, of, it was bad on, on that level. And then for it to be promoted, um, other areas as female empowerment or something. Um, but the first thing I, if you're being to Haiti and I heard some other people say it too, when you get down there, it's like one of the first things you see is like, that's just demon worship. I mean, they were like, said, I, I can't remember it all now, but I mean, it was just like a, a demonic worship thing happening. They had the, they had the stake in the middle, you know, like, you know, it's just, you know, cursed to see who's hung from a tree. Um, of course, it looked like pole dancing too, but they had these other people coming up and worshiping and the symbolisms and the things they were wearing. It's like, man, that's pretty, I uh, some overt, demonic stuff and we don't even see it you know i think that's kind of a lot of people don't see it anyway it's just it's just i don't know we need to be the light you need to preach the gospel protect your children protect your family hide your children hide your wife you know you need to be protected by the blood of christ make sure you're in christ you're either in christ you're out of christ and then you have to put on the armor of god these are spiritual battles that are being waged um i go and say i'm no position to judge other countries and i don't know enough about them um, there's a lot of faithful Christians. There's a lot of good churches. Um, so when I speak of the weakness of the church in America, I'm not including every single church and certainly not every single Christian, but I'm convicted of my own personal weaknesses and the weaknesses of my particular church. And we all need to examine ourselves according to the scriptures um, in faith with the help of the Holy Spirit, um, with a committed desire to submit to God and to follow him radically. And, and if you're not willing to do that, you're not a believer. So, I mean, just... Give yourself to Christ. Um, examine yourself. Think about. I mean, a lot of people. I think they think they're saved, and I don't know why. Um, preachers have preached it. Maybe you went forward and did something. You got to get a hell free card. You were baptized. Maybe um, you think you're a good person. I don't know. What's the gospel? I mean, what does the Bible say? Um, that's what you have to go by, and and just think if you're if you don't want to be in church, and you're not excited about being in church, and you're not doing everything you can to have your children in church as often as you can, and and um, 
and you don't see the need for it. I mean, you can be a believer, but you're just you're greatly deceived, and and you're in a very bad place of darkness, and Satan is is alive and real, and the Bible says that he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And then you know, then you finally do go to church, and you come across one of these churches or denominations that don't believe the Bible. I mean, they don't believe the Bible. Why do you go to church if you don't believe the Bible? I've had people argue with me on Facebook, like, go to a church, but they don't even believe the Bible. And it's like, why do you go? I mean, it's... Don't get me started, but it's 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 ridiculous. It's awful. It's offensive to God. It's offensive to Christ. Um, the Word of God. You can't. The Bible expresses itself. The, and I've done talks and videos on this too. The Bible says it's the Word of God. Well, I can write a book and say it's the Word of God, but your spirit, the Spirit of God, testifies with your soul that this is the Word of God. So if you have people who are denying Scripture as being the Word of God, then I don't know how you have the Holy Spirit dwell within you. I just I just don't. And so, you know, take that for what it's worth. It's true. Um, so here you go. The weakness in American church. One, unconverted pastors leading unconverted people. Yeah. I mean, there's pastors in churches, denominations that are like, you know, I don't even want to call out denominations' names because there are some, it, it seems as if even most denominations, like forget Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, you're talking about cults and their non-Christian things, but even churches that have a Bible and they profess to, be, you know, there's some individual churches that, that are that are good churches, but uh, even in the worst denominations, I hate to even say that. I don't know why somebody stays in a, whatever. So ask your pastor if he believes that Here's your little phrase right now, plenary verbal inspiration, plenary, all of the Bible and the words of the Bible as written on the page um, are inspired by God or, or breathed out, theonoustos, breathed out by God, um, holy men who are carried along by the spirit that spoke the words of God. Um, if they don't believe the Bible, leave, don't go there, There's you're I don't care if they have a good children's program. I don't care if it's the most beautiful building. They have the best band, the best music. They take care of me. They feed me. No. If they're not opening the Bible and they're not expounding Scripture and they're not loving people and they're not calling people to repentance and faith and they're not practicing church discipline and they're not praying regularly and they're not um, using, they're not baptizing people with water in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're not practicing the Lord's Supper and protecting the Lord's table from non-believers, at least admonishing people not to come to the table if you haven't been baptized, if you're not a, a believer in a Bible-believing church. Um, don't go to that church. It's worse for you. you people, it, it, Some churches make people twice the child of hell than when they went to it. It's, it's one of the... I'm turning to just a rant, but you've got, you have to find, it's, it, it burdens my heart to no end to know that I am surrounded by churches that are not preaching the gospel. There are many churches here that do, but I, I flabbergasted by the number of people who will sit under false teaching because of history families the what is it the 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 flowery language of the the preacher he tells good stories i don't know i mean it's just is he preaching the gospel from the bible as the bible 
says, biblical two, I'm still number two. All right, I don't get this. Two, the biblical illiteracy of Christians. You got to know your Bible. That's a big problem with uh, um, the church. People don't know their scriptures. Three, the, idolat the idolatry of children, loving and worshiping our children more than we love Christ. I don't even think I had to expound on that. If you love your children more than you love Jesus, again, examine your heart and see if you're even in Christ. You're, you're, you're loving your children. You're worshiping your children to hell. So beware. Um, four, the worship of material things and always seeing prosperity as blessing. Prosperity churches, leave them. Goodness gracious, leave a prosperity church. What are they, if, 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 you're, if you're with God because of what he can give you, then that stuff's your guide. I mean, what do you want God to give you? Himself. Um, God told Moses, he says, you know what? I'm going to get rid of the people, and I'll make you a great people. He said, you can't do that. because he, he says, don't do that, God, because the people will see, and then they'll think you can't do it. Your honor and your glory is worth more to me than my personal whatever I might want. And then he says, um, you know, you go into land and you can have it, but I'm not going to be with you. He said, I don't want the land if you're not going to be there with me. I, I, don't, I don't want that if you're not going to be there. So, you know, come disaster, scorn, and pain. I mean, it's like you, whatever happens, coronavirus, we get it, we die, so be it. Don't tempt the Lord. You know, don't jump off the tabernacle. Don't jump off the pinnacle of the temple and say, let his angel save you. You know, wash your hands, do the right stuff, be smart. But, you know... Health can be a curse. Things that we see as blessings can be a curse. I mean, anything, any gift from God that we elevate above God can be a curse. And our prosperity certainly has not seemed to be working out for our good too much here. And I think one of the worst things that can happen in Haiti is modernization. They need it. But, man, what a test of faith. You find out where people are when they... You aren't dependent on him anymore, you know? And Deuteronomy talks about that too. When you've won the land, don't sit there and say, it's by my own hand that I got it and stuff. We need to be humbled and, you know, funny. Little tiny microscopic animals are going to get you. Five, the worship of health and comfort. Huh? I guess I just kind of covered that one. Six, fear of death. Eh, that one too. Um, what are you afraid? You know, you know, absent from the body is present with the Lord. You are, and one of the things Dr. Malcolm talks about, it's really a cool line he has. He says, um, uh, you are invincible, you are immortal until God has completed what he has for you to do. Okay, so that doesn't mean you can go jump out in front of a truck because that's a good indication he's already completed what he has for you to do. But, you know, you're walking into enemy territory. You're walking somewhere you're afraid to walk in. And unless you're convinced and convicted that God has you to go there and you should go and you're spreading the gospel and you're doing these things, then go. And if you're martyred, you're martyred. But, you know, for the most part, if God's telling you to go, I mean, you have to go. You have to go. You have to say. You have to do. Um, I think we've just been too mealy-mouthed. And, and we don't know the Bible enough, and then we just come off as jerks, you know, because we don't love people. We don't We don't have an honor of God high enough in our hearts um, to be indignant when people have treated him um, without care, and they take his name through the dirt. I mean, that's the thing with David and Goliath. I mean, another thing that... Don't touch your face, right? So another thing, you know, is like... Um, Fight your battles. Fight your giants. The David and Goliath thing is all about you fighting the strongholds. Maybe minor thing about it, but you know, it's like the main thing about, about David and Goliath is David's the true king. David is the one who fights and defeats our enemies because he represents Jesus Christ to come. Jesus Christ is our king. He is the one that will defeat 
the evil one. But what we learn from David, a man after God's own heart, is he goes out there. He's just, you know, he's a kid. He goes out there, he's checking things out, and he hears this giant of a man out here, Goliath, blaspheming um, the people of God. And he says, who is this man? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that's blaspheming the people of God? You know, why is this being allowed? And, um, and so he says, give me, I'll take him out. And so, you know, Saul, the king, is supposed to be out there doing it, says, okay, you go. And then he goes and he does it in the power of the Lord because he's not going to stand for the blasphemy of the Lord. And I'm not saying we go out and kill people. That's not our mission today. Our mission today, though, is you stand up for the vindication of, of Christ and, and the Scripture because people are dying and they need to hear it and they need to see people who are convicted and gripped by it that aren't wacko crazy people that are all about politics and Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders or Biden or all that mess all the time. So... You know, we have a power far beyond chariots and horses. Okay, I see why I wrote all this now. I'm getting into it. Um, eight, belief in our own abilities to deal with life's problems. Yeah, we have the ability to deal with a lot of stuff. So something like corona comes around, all of a sudden it makes you a little fearful because you're not used to um, being out of control. Nine, desire to be liked by people. Man, I want people to like me. I mean, everybody wants you want people to like you. you know, so you got to be careful because Satan will use that and the world will use it and your flesh will use it. So main thing should be fear of God and desiring to be pleasing to him, to hear well done, good and faithful servant in that day. Ten, faithfulness to a church based on anything other than its faithfulness to the gospel. And corollary is a willingness to abandon a church based on anything other than its unfaithfulness to the word of God or geographical location. People leave churches all the time for jacked up reasons. For You can't get along with people. Mostly, you just can't get along with people. You can't. It's hard. Relationships are hard. Okay? We're all sinning people. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. All God's people are sinners. But we're saints. We've been sanctified. We've been glorified. We're given the word of God. We're told how to deal with things. You step up. You be a man. You be a woman. You say the hard things. You say it in love. And you forgive one another. And you give grace to one another. And you grow together. And that's how you change the church and how you change society. But we don't. We end up, we get mad, we get upset. God told us to go somewhere. You know, all these things. And you end up in some other church. And then something happens there. And you go to some other church and some other church. You don't grow. How do you grow like that? I mean, if you move, you move and you do what God's called you to do. And one of the first things you need to find out when you're moving before you say, is there a good school there? Or something is, is there a good church there? I mean, don't move somewhere and then find out there's no church. I mean, that's awful. I know people that live places and they, they can't find a good church. It's like you've been better off staying where you were and finding somewhere else to work and having a good church around. Eleven, a denial of the authority of all of Scripture. Yes, that's all. You can't. All of Scripture is authoritative. Twelve, a desire not to offend or appear judgmental. I'm missing that one up. 13, a belief that all churches are good churches. That's true. I mean, all churches are not good churches. They're not. Some, even the Bible calls some churches synagogues of Satan. If they, you got to follow the Bible. Okay. 14, racial barriers. We are all to be one in Christ. The world is currently promoting the idea that only those in power can be racist. You heard that? It's like, I get what they're saying, but come on. That's a demonic lie. Um, 
And then it goes along with number 15, pastors who will not call out sin among their own congregations, especially when those in sin wield official or unofficial power. Okay, you want to deal with racism in a church? You want to deal with some kind of sin, but particularly racism in the South, um, which is getting a whole bunch better. I mean, you know, it's better than people want to think it is, and it's worse in some places than we might want to think it is, too. But one, don't be a racist. That's the first one. Second one... If you're a pastor of a church and you've got an elder in your church that just is like wielding power and he's racist, you're going to have to confront it. And if you get kicked out of that church because of that, bye-bye. I mean, you have to. It just That's how you solve it. If you're in a church and your pastor's racist, you confront it. And if, you, if you're in a church that doesn't have elders, he kind of is not biblical. I'm, I get it. But, you know, you need to... If you're in a church that believes the Bible and you don't have elders, be in prayer and in conversation with the leaders in your church about changing that and then make sure you can demonstrate biblically why that's the case because of this very thing right here. You get a pastor that has a problem that is sinful in some area and how are you going to confront it? I mean, not biblically, individually or something. But if you have an elder, if you have a board, you have a, a session, you have, you know, even we have Presbyterian General Assembly, you can deal with it. It's even hard then, but but you can. Um, but you just have to deal with sin when you see it. And you got to do it individually. Matthew 18 talks about individual stuff and everything. But, you know, just you can't everybody trying to deal with this kind of thing on a broad basis doesn't work it's molecular it's a cancer you deal with it like you do and you have to deal with it individually with people um and if you confront me about my sin i'm sure you can find something i'm gonna i'm not gonna handle it well at first i know but you know forgive me work through it with me we'll be okay you know we'll get through this together but um you we have to you gotta be willing to do that kind of thing um, pastors who, number 16, we're almost there. Uh, pastors who are afraid to present biblical truth for fear their congregations aren't ready for it. That makes me so aggravated. Especially when it's like, I don't know, there's, like with Reformed theology, you get a church, you get a pastor whose congregation is not Reformed, I don't know, preach the gospel, make sure you tell them what the truth is, and then they'll kick you out, and they'll find somebody to feed them, give them, it's itching and tickling ears. I mean, I don't know where pastors started to get this idea that you gradually, slowly, gently, you know, the the, the church is like the big ship, a train, you can't just change it quickly like this. It's like, they did in scripture. I mean, call it out. Call be a, Be bold. That's what the Bible, the word calls us to be bold. Just make sure you're right and make sure you love the people. You're not, you're not pronouncing, happily pronouncing judgment on people, but um, be truthful, be, be bold, be right. I mean, make sure you're in the word, make sure you're in the spirit. I mean, make sure you talk to other people that you agree with and things, but you have to, that you trust. But I mean, eh, no congregation is ready for it. I'm not ready for it, but the Bible doesn't say, here's, here's the first Bible. Here's your baby Bible to have. Okay, now you're doing pretty good. Now let's take you to first grade. Here's your first grade Bible to read. Hey, they give you the whole thing. And then the Holy Spirit deals with you as it will. But you ought to have people in your church that are at different levels and, and people are loving each other. And there are people, you know, the people in your church that have so much spiritual zeal and zest and knowledge and holiness and righteousness walk so close to the Lord that you just see them and you just want to, I want to be like that. I want to emulate them. I want to, I want to be like that. So, 
um, you know, call that, preach the word. I mean, that's, that's what you have to do. And I would say pick a, pick a book and just preach through it. Um, you're going to deal with everything in one way or another. 17, people who have um, been ordained as pastors who are biblically disqualified. 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, both places tell you biblical qualifications for pastors. Since the world does not want to follow these biblical commands, it calls the writings of Paul unauthoritative. Isn't that convenient? Especially in respect to ordination of women, which is forbidden in Scripture. It just is. Um, and because of this, many call Paul misogynistic doesn't mean he likes massages. It means that he doesn't like women. And that's so they're ashamed that they say that. How long have I been talking? So anyway, hands to the face again. The, um, I don't know. You got, a, you got an Aaron church, you have a female pastor, ask her what she believes about the word of God in 1 Timothy, um, what the Bible says about female pastors, 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1. And probably what you're going to hear is that Paul didn't like women. Paul's not inspired um, weird stuff. And the first time I heard it, I was like, what, what, what? I couldn't believe it. Just, just leave that church. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. See, this is the kind of thing you get in trouble for saying, but that's why people don't say it, but it's, it's in the Bible. It's in scripture. And, and if Christians don't say something, I don't know, women, pastors are being led to believe that it's okay too, that the church is accepting of these things. And, it's just, you know, and then we have homosexual pastors that are, you know, not. It's like, I believe you can be a homosexual and a member of a church as long as you're repentant of it. But maybe you're still struggling with it, but you can't be a leader in the church. You can't be a pastor because you have to be above reproach and stuff. And that's hard for anybody, but particularly something like that. You can't just. 18. Um, pastors who fear losing their income if they offend too many in the church. I don't know. Well, maybe make too much money then. 19. Christians who trust in government, chariots and horses. Yes, let's stop that. Okay. Um, government has a role to play, but we trust in it too much. It's too powerful today. Um, you know, what happens if, if your guy doesn't get elected? You know, so, you know, and... God's in control. 20. Christians who fear, whose fear of man rather than fear of God, they fail to speak out on culturally immoral issues like abortion and LGBTQ. Yeah, people aren't going to like you for that either. But, you know, everybody wants to go back to the times of slavery and say, if I were back in time of slavery or in Nazi Germany, I would have said, you know, this and that. No, you wouldn't. You'd sat right there and been right there with them. Um, I can't imagine how difficult it would be for a pastor to stand up in front of a congregation of slave owners and say it is a sin for you to be stealing people and to treat people. You need to free these people like Onesimus, and you need to in, we need to um, have them into open fellowship with the church. We need to have them in our homes. We need to be able to share communion and baptism. And there is no such thing as race; it's all ethnicity, and we're all one in Christ. Man, how many him? How long do you last in this world like that? So don't be too judged mental but um you know be the type of person that that says something about things going on in your in the world right now it's a lot of stuff lgbtq stuff abortion thing is you gotta be able to speak in love and that's the problem is like we churches have spoken hatefully towards people for so long that the uh, somebody that's the object of that i can understand why they come back and say you know how bad the church is so don't be like that if there's an offense it's got to be not you being a jerk but the gospel being an offense, the offense of the cross. 21, 23, 21, 22, 23, lack of prayer. 
Yes, we lack prayer because we don't. And also, be careful when we pray. We pray for physical stuff. Even when we're praying for somebody's healing, we typically don't pray about the spiritual things behind that. So, you know, demonic influences, um, spiritual. We don't battle against flesh and blood. It's against things in the spiritual areas. So the coronavirus, you know, what's that? Obviously, it's from God, but... Um, God allows a lot of things. We live in, the, live in a cursed world. We need to be praying for whatever spiritually is happening in this, that the church arises to the occasion, that um, it's used for the glory of God, and that um, and that we are protected spiritually from whatever's going on with this thing, too. 24, self-righteousness. We think we're great and good, and then we lack daily repentance, and that's what the other thing's about, too. All right, so I go on. Talk, talk, talk. Just um, that's mostly it, though. It's just um, and now, bro. This is it's just a thing. It's just a little long because I want to get this out now because I know that in a few days or even hours, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and desires of other things will enter in and choke the word. My desire is to feel and to think and to speak like this all the time. Pray for that kind of boldness and love for me, and I'll pray for that for you. Give no place to the devil, Ephesians 4.27. I don't know. So, I mean, I do know. I know I'm not perfect. Neither are you. We need to love one another. We need to be able to come along with one another. We need to forgive one another. We need to give grace to one another. We need to encourage one another, the Bible says, and all the more as we see the day approaching. But um, if God's not first in your life, something else is, and that's, not, that's an idol for you. And God's a jealous God, and he will either turn you over to these things, which is not good, or he will discipline you as a child if you're one of his children. Um, and that's not going to be pleasant. So, you know, repent, turn to the Lord, follow Jesus, be Christ-like. That's what everybody wants to be, really, is to be Christ-like. But you have to humble yourself, confess your sins, call on him. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But the main thing is going to be... Not, you know, what have you done for me? It's a, a constant, continued absorption with God, Christ, and the gospel. That as you do everything else, it's all are centered around this in some way. All right. That's my reformed rant, like the other fella. Anyway, don't know how long it was. I apologize if I offend anybody. I'm not sorry because I'm pretty sure everything I said uh, mean. I um, think the Bible's with it too. You just have to uh, process these things as you're reading scripture and read it and um, pray about these things. If you're not going to church, a good church, do everything within your power to get there. If your husband's not taking you, go without him. If your wife won't go, go without him. If you. Um, if you have children, there's nothing better you can do than to get your children to sit there with you in a pew and listen to a sermon, sing with you, pray with you. And then when you leave, um, they see it's not just something I do once a week. It's something this means to my parents. Even if they grow up and not have faith, they were that excuse because they had it modeled for them. So um, it's never too late. Pray for them, too. All right. That's it. <laughs> Next week, I'll grab the book, read about it a little bit more. I want to touch my face again. Okay, praying for you. Find a good church. Be a good, strong member of it. God bless.